Kansas City Real Talk brought to you by KCRAR. I'm Alex Gehring. And I'm Bobby Howe. I was just telling Bobby that I've got like a little, just a little tickle in my throat. And I've had it now for like a week or so. I did have a COVID test and and I'm negative. But it is the worst time in human history to Mm -hmm. sound even remotely sick or to have any kind of wheeze or anything. You know, no matter what, people are going to look at you like you should be at home and, and I'm fine. I don't need to be at home right now, but uh, I do have a little tickle. Tickle. That's what we're going to call it now. Just like to downplay it. We're going to say, I've got a tickle. I've got a tickle. <laughs> so, let's, so you brought, you brought up the COVIDs. Yeah. What's happening. What's going on. I'll like, tell you what. I am, we're going to shut back down. I just know it. Stop. I am just, Stop. I know, well, but a major convention a brand just took their convention that's supposed to be later this month. Um, they just took it back to 100% virtual because just the town they were going to have it in the ICU beds are overflowing. And it's just, there's already talk. There's a bunch of people that have registered for in-person for NAR in San Diego. And now they're all like, let me move it to virtual. CRS is getting ready to have their thing up in Lake Tahoe. I guess that'll have happened by the time this episode comes out. The last minute people are switching over to virtual. I just We've done everything we were supposed to do. Well, we're ready to, and, and I think that if some we're of us have back done everything again, that we're supposed to do, let's well, be real here. Well, I know, but I mean, like those of us that, that got vaccinated, those of us that wear masks <laughs> without crying, like we're little babies. I'm sorry. I, it's not that big of a deal to put a piece of cloth on my face. Do I want to do it? No, no. but if I, if, if somehow that's going to help someone, even if it doesn't help anyone, I'll be inconvenienced and do it if the thought is that it makes someone else be more comfortable being in my presence. Fine. I'm cool with that. But I'm just like, if they try to shut us down again, those people that played along nicely the first time, not all of them are going to play along nicely the second time. No, we already had, the, not, you know, that's, it's that's just the thing. It, it isn't going to work, Bobby. No. That, that's the deal. They're just shutting things down. We've played that card. Yeah. It's been played. It's not going to that that won't happen again. I, I, I don't think that I don't think that's real. Now, I will tell you that I wouldn't be, you know, San Diego, uh, you know, California is going to be a little different than everybody else. And and so it's very possible that that goes by the wayside quickly. Um, and we've but, already spoke to, you know, leadership at NAR. They don't plan on canceling the in-person unless California cancels on us, which is right. completely which possible. Is totally possible. Yeah. Um, when this podcast comes out, Leadership Summit, NAR Leadership Summit is going to have just happened or be happening right. in Chicago. I'll be there. Well, do, well, are you aware Chicago has a travel ban on 19 states and you either Including have to be vaccinated Missouri. or have a negative test before you show up. And NAR right. is going to require those things to be there as well. We're two weeks out from that. And a lot of people aren't even aware of that. I, I didn't realize gonna... I didn't realize they were going to require vaccination that I yeah. good for them. Good yeah, for them. they are. And, but but, but also Kansas isn't included on the states uh, on the on the you Missouri people. Missouri. It's like you're you're you guys are from a third world country over there on some of these lists. Listen, my friends in Georgia and Florida are also on the list. So we're just all hanging out together. It's fine. <laughs> Everything. But, you know. The day this oh. podcast comes out, the next day, I'm going to be in Oregon in a van for 36 hours with 12 people. So, I mean, there's, you know, Bobby, you bring up the mask thing. I, I'll be honest. I, the mask, I, we haven't been wearing them for a while. We got a break from it. 
Yep. You put that thing back on and it, it really, it, it's, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to be dramatic here, but it does give you, uh, there's some trauma associated with putting that darn thing on. It, and, and it really is. Cause I'm just getting, you get flashbacks to, yep. to a year and a half ago, uh, which is crazy to say it was a year and a half ago, but it was. And, you know, I I was really cool with wearing it the first time around. Like, that's what I needed to do. I was, I'm a little girl scout. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I've recently started wearing it very occasionally. I'm not going to pretend like I'm wearing it all the time. I'm not, but there are certain instances I'll go places and I will wear it just because I know it will comfort the people around me. Fine. And I don't like it. Like I I didn't like it the first time around, let's be honest, but I really don't like it the second time around. Like I've gotten used to seeing faces again and I've forgotten what that was like, or just you know, and, and I think there's, uh, again, I, we, we got to do what we got to do. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, we should all rebel against the mask thing, but, but it is true that we, um, we are not being able to see somebody's face uh, makes us less empathetic to one another. Um, and I think that it's, uh, I, I have a real legitimate concern that children um, who are in very formative times in their lives are not being exposed to um, the uh, the facial expressions and yeah. the uh, and building that empathy skill that is so critical for uh, especially with the kinds of crazy times that we're in right now and the kinds of crazy times. Let's be honest, we'll we'll probably be in for a while if we can't look at one another and recognize the humanity that we all hold, it's a, a, I think that that's hard. And we, as human beings, we are programmed to read those things through looking at people's faces. Now it's a lot harder to look at people's, it's easier to look at people's faces when they're wearing a mask than when they're uh, dead or uh, wearing a, uh, or intubated. Um, and so that's the, that's the balance, you know, and and there's no balance there that balance isn't the right word, but we've got to, you've got to look at whether or not you can save people's lives, but that doesn't mean that the byproducts that some people are worried about surrounding wearing masks aren't real. I think that we've got to be prepared to figure out a way to build some of those skills back up in a, in a in an expedited fashion once we get through all of this. Uh, that, that's just my, but, but that's what we need to look at. It's not don't wear a mask. It's how are we going to overcome the difficulties that we are causing by ourselves by implementing that as the remedial factor? Does that make sense? Well, no, it, it does. It makes perfect sense because we've become this black or white society that it's either wear a mask, don't wear a mask for physical reasons or wear a mask, don't wear a mask for mental health reasons. It's a, there is a little bit of both. It's the, wear the mask for protecting others. And yet what does wearing the mask do to all of our mental health? That's right. Yeah. And, and saying that, uh, that it's not just wearing the mask, it's all of it, but you know what I mean? Right. But saying that you support these kinds of efforts doesn't mean that you don't recognize that it's harmful and saying that that you recognize that it's harmful doesn't mean that you don't recognize that it's an important thing to do right now uh, we, yes. we create this crazy black and white deal 
and it's either one or the other. And, and what ends up happening is we ignore really important things that we're going to need to be prepared for coming out of this. And, uh, it's, it's tough. Life's hard right now, Bobby. Yeah, I agree. And for those of us in the, and I feel like that you and I were very similar on these issues. Mm -hmm. We're very much in the middle. We're not polarized to one side or the other. We're very, and we see all both sides and it feels just even like the politics in our country right now is you, you either have to be one side or the other, and you can't see both sides of the issue. That's not allowed. And it's like, but I do see both sides of the issue and I struggle with it because I see both sides, because I'm willing to not say that this is just X or Y, that there is a Z. Right. I, I don't make one group mad. I make everybody mad. Exactly. So to stay. <laughs> exactly. To we're, just, we're just, we're doing whatever, um, you know, but it's interesting that we're talking about this right now, because we're yeah. going to talk a little bit about mental health today. We're talking a little bit about how we deal with all of this, the weight of the way it's not just the weight of real estate anymore. It's the weight of the world on top of the weight of real estate. Right. It's true. It's true. So we're talking about mental health and we're mm-hmm. talking about um, wellness. And uh, Christy, our guest, has an incredible story. And I know in, you. So you do you know Christy through NAR? So I know Christy through NAR. She and I recently did a um, webinar together for NAR as a part of the safety committee. And it was a it was a webinar on mental health. I shared my mom's story. She shared her own personal story. Uh, and she, like I said, she's a broker in Texas and she also has a podcast called the dependent agent. So spoiler alert, her story is about alcohol and her podcast is about addiction and anxiety and so much more, but she is just absolutely amazing human being because she's so transparent sharing her story of something that I feel so many of us struggle with at our core. And a lot of us won't admit that we're struggling with it, but that I think a lot of us really do struggle with um, just a glass of wine at night just to unwind the from the day. Off. Right. Yeah. Yep. yep. For sure. So. Well, uh, so, and you, and you did a safety talk with her. Is that right? So NAR has a safety committee. It's new in the last mm-hmm. year and they've done a lot of different, you know, they had a uh, Carl, Car- we should have Carl Carter on. So Carl Carter, his mom, Beverly Carter, was a real estate agent who was murdered in Arkansas. And so um, did he spoke for them. They've done a lot of different safety topics, but they decided that mental wellness was also a safety topic. So it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it, well, awesome. I can't wait to hear her story. Yep. Um, Bobby, what do you have a book bit? No, no book, but this week. Oh, okay. no, I'm just kidding. We got a book bit. Ha. <laughs> wow. That was yeah, really right? funny, Bobby. That was hilarious, Bobby. No, all that was missing was you yelling. Bit, but she does Sigh. have a bit. Is there going to be a song? Uh, sure. Do, 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 Bobby's book bit. Casey. Because I was sassy with my answer. So I had to be a sassy kitty cat. All wow. right. So <laughs> get this. I actually tied a book in to the topic we're talking about today. And this is actually a, so disclosure alert. And I don't think I talked about this on the podcast, but if I did talk about it, I'm really sorry. But I did dry January in January, just a few months ago. 
And this is an audible book that I listened to during that time. And it's called This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. She also has a podcast. There's so many podcasts around right now. Um, and she also has a blog. Uh, but she actually is the voice during the audible. And it really was really powerful. So my favorite quote from the book is, alcohol erases a bit of you every time you drink. It can even erase entire nights when you're on a binge. Alcohol does not relieve stress. It erases your senses and your ability to think. Alcohol ultimately erases yourself. And I think when you really think about that, it's, it's just really the reason we drink is to get away and it's to erase what we're feeling. So there were a couple key points, as always. Um, and I'm calling this lessons learned from alcohol, but this is from Annie's book. Um, awareness is key. Awareness isn't just a trendy f- phrase. There's plenty of places we do not question the importance of awareness while driving, when it comes to our safety, even when we're communicating with others. When it comes to alcohol, it's really easy to slip into mindless drinking. Many of us fall into a pattern of drinking every day. We've already talked about that. A glass of wine after dinner, a beer after work. It starts innocently, but it can cause problems later. Alcohol is addictive. And what starts off as just a habit become much bigger over time without anyone realizing quite that it crossed that line. It just, it's very starts. And then all of a sudden it's like, Whoa, you know, it's, it's, there's a saying called gradually, gradually, suddenly. So often we start with things and it's just, you don't see any improvement. It's, it's, if you go away and you don't see your kid for a week and you come back from vacation, you're like, Whoa, my kid grew so much. When you see him every day, you're not noticing it. Um, second point in the book, there's nothing, nothing that alcohol improves. Um, She talks about in the book that she drank because she thought alcohol made a good time better and that it was necessary to socialize. And I think for a lot of it, um, we're going to talk about that with Christy, what it feels like to socialize with alcohol. It took taking a break from alcohol for her to realize how much better life can be without it. What if she told you that the way alcohol affects your brains and body is actually preventing you from enjoying yourself fully? It dulls your senses and your emotions. I know one of the, because I've done this with Christy before, one of the things she's going to talk about is just, she actually has much more fun now going out with people and she's not drinking than she does whenever she was drinking. And finally, alcohol makes a bad thing worse. So many people drink to relieve stress and anxiety so that you could sleep better and you could um, not feel like you're um, as depressed as you are. But the problem was the more you drink, the worse you sleep, the more the depression. A 2012 study showed alcohol makes you less capable of dealing with stress and anxiety. Researchers gave mice doses of alcohol for a month and then run tests to compare the mice who'd been drinking to normal mice. The mice were put into stressful situations to measure their reactions. Alcohol literally rewired the mice's brains to make them less able to deal with stress and anxiety. And so, um, it's also like, if you wear a watch to sleep, wear wear a watch, sleep and see your REM cycles, your light sleep, your uh, deep sleep, the nights that if I've had like two cocktails, my REM is just, or my REM sleep is just completely destroyed. When the nights that I just have some water before bed, like my numbers are way up there, but we think that alcohol makes us tired and we're going to sleep so much better when really it's disrupting our sleep patterns and our brain waves. So that's my book, This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. And I highly recommend the audible version.
There you go. And I, I mean, we're not telling you that if you have a drink that know. you're like hurting yourself, you know, as soon as you have a drink. It, but if you're in a, if you're drinking in excess on a regular basis, or if you are easing into that like daily whiskey, you know, that would be the issue with me. I like whiskey a lot, but it is one of those things where I, I it's about, it's probably two times a week. There have been times in my life where it turned into seven nights a week. And I realized that and I said, oh crap, <laughs> luckily I've got a thing in my head that says, hey, that doesn't work very well. You know, and you realize it because you do sleep poorly. You wake up, you wake, I, that's what happens with me. If I get into that kind of a cycle, I wake up at three o'clock in the morning Yep. and, uh, and, and you can't go back it. to sleep. Yeah. You're awake and you're like, yep. your brain's like, and you're like, Oh man, I wish I wouldn't have had that to drink, but then you're, that's it's right. too late to go back and undo that. And I'll be honest. I told you I did dry January. I have also, there's an app called dry January. It's actually put out by, um, UK, uh, drink less from it's, it's, it's a British app. But it tracked every day. It asks, it's gamified. It asks you every day, did you stay dry today? Did you stay dry today? And so I joined a group that was um, 300 dry days in 2021, which allows you 65 um, days that you can have right. alcohol. And right now I'm completely on track for doing that. And that allows it, you know, once a week plus 13 extra days throughout the year. It's actually completely doable. So yeah, totally. All right. Well, hey, let's bring in Christy and we'll talk more about this. Awesome. back to Kansas City Real Talk brought to you by KCRAR. We are here with our special guest today, Christy Gessler. She is a Texas realtor and the host of The Dependent Agent. Welcome, Christy. We're excited to have you here with us. Hey, thank you all for having me. It's an honor and pleasure to be with you all on this hot August morning. And I think this is the first time we've had another podcast host here with us. So, I mean, we're all extreme professionals at this point, right? Oh, I, well, <laughs> other than Rob Hahn, you, we had Rob oh, yeah, Hahn. we did have Rob. Sorry. Okay. Rob. Yeah, please. And don't put me in that category, but yes, I am definitely right. an, I an met, amateur know-it-all. Is that, is yeah, that I, I met realtor first podcast second. Rob was never a realtor. Rob's just Rob, you know, Rob's there you just go. Right. okay. Okay. Rob that is Rob. true. And I am definitely, you know, yeah. Yeah. Broker exactly. first most of the time anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so Christy, tell us before we, you know, really get to going. Well, actually get going. Cause actually I know your story. Cause we recently did a yeah. webinar together for NAR's uh, safety committee. It was a really fun podcast or not podcast webinar that we did. And then we had a psychologist with us. Um, tell us your story of how you got into real estate. What, what's your story? What's your life story? Where are you from? I mean, we know Texas. Okay. We said that. And then how did you get started doing your podcast? What's your story? Because I think that really speaks to people. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, I, I hail from Central Texas. I am on the north side of Keep Austin Weird. So up here in my area, we like to keep things kind of normal if we can and maybe keep Austin in its area. But I have been in Austin since 1989 when I came down and graduated from the University of Texas, Hook'em Horns, and stayed in Central Texas ever since. And, and actually, my road to real estate involved a quick stint as a law enforcement officer. I was a sheriff's deputy for Travis County for about seven years here in Central Texas, and I was the first female deputized park ranger for Lake Travis and the area parks. And so I was doing law enforcement for my formative years, I guess you would say. And then a um, friend of mine said, well, now that you've had kids, are you going to go back to being a cop? And I said, not if I can help it. I love my, my boys and women in blue and brown, but... Um, 
that career was definitely something that I was uh, less in favor of over being a mom. But then after the kids got a little bit older, stir crazy hit, time to go to a new career. So my very good friend, Mary Miner, got me into real estate and uh, got my broker's license. And here I sit. So fast forward 15 years, here we are. Uh, and I am a broker owner of a small boutique firm here in Central Texas, the Freedom 512 Real Estate Group. So if anybody needs any help, we're here to help. But um, my journey to this point where I sit in this chair really started for me on November 8th of 2017. That is the day that I entered rehab. And before that, right before that, in the years leading up to that, I was one of the broker owners of a very, very prestigious and predominant real estate firm here in Austin, Texas, one that was founded here and has a lot of pedigree and a lot of pressure and a lot of driving success. And I was very much in that world of becoming a top producing broker, becoming a uh, top sales manager for an office. And I came out of a sales career into that job, walking away from direct sales and going into just managing. So I had a lot to prove. And sadly, I wasn't very well equipped in my mental wellhouse to keep myself together. And there was a lot of very, very um, hidden drinking going on for a lot of years and a lot of pressure relieving in not so healthy ways. And November 8th was the day that I had two of my realtor friends walk up to my front door while I was sitting in my kitchen drinking, uh, needing to get to the office to run some disbursement authorizations for my agents. At the time, my office was selling roughly 50 million a year in real estate, 50 million a month, excuse me, 50 million a month in real estate volume. So I had a lot of duties and obligations to those agents. But I had a knock on the door and there was two people standing there saying, how are you? And I smiled and I was like, I'm great. How are y'all doing? You know, just always the bubbly open broker ready to help an agent. Just thought they were there to visit, right? No, they weren't just there to visit. They were there to say, we think you need some help. And I'll tell you what, just to pause for a moment, to have two friends like that in my life that stepped forward and were willing to come to my front door and say something was remarkable. And my relationship with them has evolved over the years and has evolved since then. But one thing that we did speak about, Bobby, when we were together a few weeks ago was support structures and friends and listening to friends. See something, say something. That's a pretty powerful statement. And that's what these friends did for me. So I found myself in rehab. And I'll tell you what, that's not a very good place for, for a high flying, very front of the marketplace broker to be. It's very scary. It's very damaging. It's very threatening. Um, it's very hard in a very competitive industry to realize that you have something that your competitors can really use against you, or so you think they can use against you. But through my process and through my um, journey through sobriety, I found this podcast. And so when I started this podcast, this was pre-pandemic stuff. I realized I need a shot in my mental wellness uh, arm before the pandemic now. Wow, more than ever, right? But I really um, developed this podcast as therapy and as a way to get my message out. So I launched the podcast um, in January of 2019 and recorded 22 episodes, one take only, just so you heard my story raw and unfiltered. So here we are. Thank you for being here. And thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing. Will you tell us a little bit, because you, you told a little bit of this story uh, when we were together last time. Tell us about everything that led up to the day that your friends showed up at your store, showed up at your store, showed up at your doorstep and how that is, because I feel that so many of us can relate to that. 
And even as you were telling your story this time, I realized, you know, I have had the exact same position with the exact same company that you did. And when I took over that position, I took over from someone who had gotten into a drunk driving accident. They were then put on probation and then they violated that probation and got put into jail. And that's how I ended up in the position that I was in. And I never even put all of those dots together with you until just now. So I yeah. think telling that story of leading up to that day, I, I think it's very impactful. Yeah, thank you for that. And you you are right. So, you know, in my world, in that time frame, and I think this is where I hopefully can connect with a lot of your members and other members is I was in the fundamental rat race of real estate so deep that there was so much competition for numbers and productivity and closings and getting more and more and more and more. I put that internal pressure harder on myself than a lot of the external pressures fell onto me. We're all independent contractors, right? That's part of the name of the dependent agents. We're dependent on so many things in our business. And sometimes that develops into dependency, but the pressures of trying to live up to what everyone thought a broker at that level should be achieving or a realtor at that level should be achieving. There is this falsehood out there. I'm going to be real honest with everybody about some of the ways numbers are reported in terms of agent sales volumes. Let's be real and let's be frank. Some of these numbers that some of these people are promoting, I know uh, because of experience are, are not exactly accurate. Shall we just call it that? But what happens is that creates an added tension and pressure where you're in a dog eat dog world business anyway. And here you are trying to prove yourself even above and beyond who you have great admiration for. So that competition is what drove me to have an escape. Um, competition is not bad, but it can be very unwieldy. And I think um, putting a little bit of a break onto some of that internal competition is very, very important for us if we're needing to kind of assess where someone might be in their business. How much of that is pressure that's being put on you because you think you need to be performing at a certain level or someone has told you that this is where your goals need to be. But what if that's not you? And I think it's healthy enough for you to say, you know what, that's not me. I, I medicated my way through it. I shouldn't have done that. So hopefully there can be a little bit more of a reckoning of that. So, yeah. One of the things that we hear so much about, um, you know, you, you, we hear it from all sorts of different uh, mediums, but we've got this huge push on grind culture. And it's all about this rise and grind, you know, uh, and jump to it and all this stuff. I, uh, what can we do? I, we, we obviously can't really isolate ourselves from that because it, that is part of the backbone of getting started in this business, right? You have to be ready to work and ready, ready. to, yeah. and, and, and you've got to have that grit. There's no question about that, but how do you, where? Where is that balance? How do we find that? And how do we get our uh, newer agents to, to understand how to find that balance? It's a beautiful question. I, I think the elusive search for balance in our lives is something that I think we're all going to be on the journey of you know, forever. I don't even know that it's exactly possible to stay in balance, but we should stay in equilibrium at least. Maybe we should at least stay where we're in a, in a zone of where that grind can be motivating but not degradating. And that's where I think we have a, a crossroads in our business. Um, we have that wild, wild entrepreneurial spirit as a realtor. And I think that is the most phenomenal thing about us is, is that spirit, but it can drive you in such a way. So here's how I handle it to kind of answer your question. 
I believe that we should be focused on the quality of our engagements with a smaller number of clients and focus on the quality of the engagement rather than the quantity of the less valuable engagements. I am speaking to those who buy leads and, and do other services that allow them to get business. And many times that is critical and I am not knocking it. But I do think some of that inherent stress and pressure, both internal and external, comes from some of those invaluable relationships that we garner as an industry when we're just trying to generate more and more leads. They're just inquiries. But we treat ourselves I, I, like factories sometimes instead yeah. of service providers. Conveyor belts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there's not a lot of fun and creativity in a conveyor belt, is there? Yet we are by nature an entrepreneurial fun and creative body of professionals. Kind of run sideways. So Christy, I was one of the was on one of the very first YPN boards nationwide for NAR. And this is back 2009, 2010, really YPN started taking off. And very early on, YPN got a reputation for being partiers and drinkers. And one of the things that I always said was, it's not the YPN necessarily that's the partiers and the drinkers. It's the realtors. That that's so often because we are independent contractors, because we are competitors, but because we come back together as a group, that that's how we get together and unwind. Talk a little bit about your experiences before and after. And I think especially since the pandemic, we've always had a drinking culture, but I think that society as a whole, that we increased a lot of our drinking just to get through the last 18 months. So I, I, I love hearing no doubt. your experience since because it's still the same. Yeah, 100%. So I live in the great state of Texas and our, our dearly beloved Governor Abbott was one of the first ones that had booze to go. You could get your tacos from the, from, the, uh, from the restaurant and with a whole pitcher of margaritas loaded up ready to go and you could drive home with them. And I'm not kidding, it's still in, in effect today, <laughs> but it was pandemic coping mechanism, right? Maybe not the safest or smartest one, but I agree with you. I had a conversation earlier in the in 2020 with Lee Brown. She also does a podcast here with us in their in our marketplace called Crazy in Real Estate. Excuse my French, but we talked about our culture in real estate and our drinking culture in real estate and how we can start to mitigate that just a little bit. We like to have the fun, frivolous, you know, bar talk. More business is done around the bar kind of thing. But when you've got some members falling down the stairs at bars, like I was maybe at some realtor events, it's not the best look. And so I think as, a, as, a, as an organization, if we can look at the, at the methodology and the promotion of our events, and then we can just look at the activity and the behavior at our events. I am not the behavior police. I am not the one that wants to be the teetotaler that says, y'all cannot do this stuff anymore. I have more fun now partying than I ever did, but I remember everything a lot better than I used to. And some of the other people drinking might remember less than I do. But in the end of the day, I think it's important for us to remember professionalism and our reputation. And I remember profoundly when I entered rehab and came out, a lot of my friends said, what took you so long to get there? And that was devastating to me because they believed a lot of us as realtors maybe should have had the same experience in rehab that I did. It was telling and it made me wake up a little bit as a leader and as an industry leader and what we can do in our organizations to not have the public think that way about us. I think we can work harder with that. So I applaud YPN for thinking outside the box on some of their events, making it a little bit more intellectually enriching instead of um, the party mode. We can think about it. There's other ways to do it. Nothing else. Zoom opened up a lot of opportunities for people um, to think creatively. So kind of neat. 
even if you get on any of these Facebook groups that surround real estate, you've got a joke on there about once a day about how, uh, you know, about alcohol being a uh, medicine, basically, for dealing with the stress of this business. And, uh, and you're right. I mean, we, it's just, it, we have given, we, we've just put that out there as, as the staple. It seems yeah. so difficult. Yeah. When, when I started the podcast, I just wanted to keep this open conversation going about the stresses in our business. So maybe through some of the Facebook groups you're speaking of, or some of the podcasts or other clubhouse groups that people can get involved in that are very healthy and productive, gradually the conversation can go away from some of those memes and jokes. I mean, I'm all for them. I think they're hilarious. But I do think that that can become a self-fulfilling kind of prophecy, if you will, what you put out there expands, right? And so if we keep perpetuating that reputation, it's probably going to chase us. Um, And we are the stewards of a lot of money. And when you're a fiduciary for a client, you better take that seriously. And I personally don't want to be worried about what's inside my realtor's Yeti. I really don't. But I think maybe we should. So I'm just here to be some a sounding board. I'm always wanting to be open. And I appreciate you all having the conversation. We just need to keep it going. Yeah. You know, and Christy, I'm in a bunch of, you know, mom groups, which separate from being realtor groups, but it has just become the norm that we have a glass or two or a bottle of wine every night. And that is absolutely a-okay. And you start noticing after some time that things aren't okay, but then that's become the coping mechanism. You talked about understanding that the the internal pressures you're putting on yourself were more than the internal pressure. And that's one of the things that helped you during rehab. What are some other coping mechanisms. How do you, cause we all still have stress. Even if we understand it's more internal than it is external, we still feel the stresses. Um, what are some of the ways that you are dealing with the stresses? And second part to my question is when we talked, uh, last time you had one of the greatest concepts I have ever heard of. And you talked about tech hotlines and you had a play on that. And I would love for you to talk about your idea. Cause I think that we oh. really need to get this going. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for, for embracing that little idea. Cause I think I it's love cool. It. Thank you. All right. Fabulous. Well, good. Here is, here's my number one coping mechanism. And it is a recognition actually that came through the pandemic. So I am grateful to COVID for something. And I know that's hard for a lot of people to try to think through right now, but yoga became my outlet and why yoga specifically became an outlet for me was because of a community breath that I could go back into a yoga studio when we got that clear to clear to close that green light to go back into public and to do yoga in community. I recognized that one of my best ways to reduce stress when I am feeling very, very pent up, rather than trying to do a yoga practice at my home, I find a yoga studio and I get a free day pass. I don't care where I am. I don't have to have been a member of that studio ever before. There's a lot of yoga studios around. I've been known just to pop in. Do you have a free pass? I can take a class real quick. And I've done it. And I've popped in and just listened to the community breathing. Listen to those people together, just taking a breath, letting out anxiety, letting out frustration. And after an hour, I feel pretty good just by breathing. So it's an important way or it's an important method for me to find peace and and centering. And so I know that sounds kind of hokey and granola, but, but yoga, but it's not just the poses for me. It truly is the breathing and it's, and it's getting back to that state of calm. Um, So that's been a huge thing. So I encourage any of that, but don't be afraid to pop into a yoga studio, even if that's sometimes even better because then you're guaranteed you don't know anybody 
And that way you can just try out a studio, leave them a tip when you leave, give them a good review on, on their social media so they can get a little play, but, but go take a community breath. I really love it. My idea, thank you, here we go. When you're a new realtor or a realtor at any point in your career, most associations, local, state, they offer you a legal hotline. You can call a number and get free legal advice or maybe at least a little direction from an attorney about a hot button issue. I have yet run across an association at the state, local, or now hopefully one day at the NAR national level where we have a counseling hotline. I'd love for there to be a free number where a realtor could call and connect with someone like an organization like 10% Happier or some of the other counseling organizations that already exist. Somebody very bona fide, qualified, can, can maybe uh, help someone in, in a crisis and maybe in a little less than crisis situation because maybe then we don't have to call the legal hotline if we have a counseling hotline that someone can get a little peace of mind from first. So thank you for that. I do hope that that idea can be taken forward by collaboration and partnerships um, to offer a new member benefit to, to a member. You get, your, you get your nerds number, you get your, your state license number, and here's a number to call if you need to talk to somebody when this business gets a little too much. That's a phenomenal idea. I, I think we need it. No, and and it's it, we need it for so many different reasons. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? I mean, even if you weren't, to, I, I I really, you know, uh, we encourage like on our call previously for the safety committee, nine one one is your first call if you're in crisis. But right. one of these numbers could be for not a crisis call. I just need I need a I need an ear for a minute. You know, I just need an ear for a minute, and that might go. At least you know what our realtor family would be taking care of each other in a new way. And I love that idea when our realtor family embraces each other like that. Mm -hmm. Christy, I have been doing this, what I talk about, I've been doing for several years now. And um, normally afterwards, back when we were in person, people would come up to me afterwards or they would send me a Facebook message and tell me what, you know, how that meant to them. But I will tell you, since we've done our NAR uh, safety committee webinar, the amount of people that have reached out to me and sent long letters. One lady sent like a three page letter laying out her entire life story. That was much like my mom's story, but it was her sister and her mom who both, um, took their lives, but she talked about the conflict with herself because they were toxic. And so Mm. She missed them. And yet there was some relief that that wasn't in her life anymore. Mm-hmm. But then there was another gentleman that recently just kept calling me and texting me and he just needed someone to talk to who would understand. So what you're talking about is that outlet because, because quite frankly, I've dealt with this, but I'm not trained with what to say back. Like I've do the best that I can, but it's a lot to put on my shoulder. I don't mind it. I love doing it. I love that I'm helping someone. But I also wonder, am I saying the right thing? So I yeah. would love, Kip Cooper, if you're listening to this, Kip Cooper, yes. let's find a way to do this for our KCRER members and then let's do it for everybody because I, I would love to do that. Keep it going. You know, I hear a lot of conversations being had around the bar and a, and a, or a, cop, a couple of cocktails. And I'm like, oh, I really wish they could let a pro or somebody with some training mm-hmm. hear that same statement because I think somebody could really help them. I'm not equipped to do that. You know, that's not my place. You're right. We're not... I mean, sometimes we're counselors, we feel like to our clients, but, you know, see something, say something, but point them in the right direction to get the right help. Mm-hmm. There's where I may be going with that, you know, see trouble, say something to the individual, but then this might be an avenue to guide 
us down the right road for help instead of just commiserating around a drink at a bar might help. It's such a good point. I mean, as a, as a manager, you've got people that are in these really high stress situations coming to you for help and asking you, and, and it, you're right. We're, do, we're not really trained to see warning signs or, or trained to know the right things to say in some of these situations. We, we're natural empaths, a lot of us in this business. And so we think we do. And we provide probably the compassion that's necessary, but compassion doesn't necessarily equal the right thing to say at the right time or to recognize the right signs that you need to be looking for. Yeah. I think maybe we have a duty to each other. Like our code says, maybe we should look out for each other in in this way a little bit. Don't want anybody to be judgmental. I don't want there to be anybody uncomfortable or stepping outside their bounds and what they feel comfortable doing. But but a little love and kindness never hurt anybody either. Just the extension of that hand, that knock on that door for me that day. Had I not answered it, that would have been my choice. I chose to answer the door when my friends were yeah. outside telling me I needed help. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you got to keep knocking, I guess. It's training we need. Yeah, it'd be really helpful. So yeah, I think it's a great thing to, 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 to run up the flagpole. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk to all of our NAR candidates for first vice president next year and let's see who will run with it. Woo-hoo! Um, yes. So. We are coming up to the end of our uh, time here. I'm not even sure how that's absolutely possible at this point. However, one, my favorite question, not my favorite question, but the question I always end the podcast with is what else? What haven't we talked about? What haven't we asked you about? What else should we be talking about today, Christy? I do just think every leader right now that is stepping up into any role within their business, within their community, within their associations needs to have mental wellness and and fitness on their minds. It needs to be woven into every part of our strategic planning. It needs to be woven in to every part of our business planning and our goals. And when you write business goals, write goals for your own mental wellness. Your 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 goals, number one goals, you know, spiritual protection of you, your your happiness and then money maybe later. And, and let's get those priorities back in order a little bit. So that's the most most best, <laughs> there's some good English. There, there's some phenomenal recommendation is when you're planning your future, always have this type of thought on the top of the list, whether you're doing it for yourself or your organization. I absolutely love that. Thank you for your time with us today, Christy. It's been, Thanks, y'all. I'm not sure how 20, 30 minutes went by so quickly, but it did because that's <laughs> yeah. what we do when we talk. Um, but thank Wonderful. you for your thank time. You. And we'd love to have you back again in the future and talk about something else. Keep it going. You betcha. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, y'all.